Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. Today, our guest is Ottertail County, Minnesota fishing guide, Randon Olson from Lockjaw Guide Service. Randon, welcome to the Fish House Nation. Thanks for having me. Brandon, we're talking basin crappies today. You love chasing crappies through the ice. What is it about crappies that kind of trips your trigger? You know, it's just, it's one of those fish that they're, they're, there's a lot of them. They're easy to find, but they're hard to find at the same time. And, and they're big enough to really put up a good fight. And, and it's a lot of action, you know. You put all that work to find them, and then the payoff's big. Almost 90% of the time, 90-100% of the time, it's always a good payoff. So. Um, it's just they're a ton of fun to walk to chase. Yeah, they get they get pretty beefy. I mean, everybody kind of looks at them as you know the cousin of the bluegill, but uh, I'd say the bluegills don't get beefy too. But it seems like those crappies, especially in your neck of the woods, get pretty beefy. Yeah, we get some we get some pretty big ones up here. Um, everybody always calls it panfish paradise, but I think it's true. You know, um, I, we get kind of spoiled living here. I'll say that. I had some guys up from the cities a little while back. And they were catching 11 and 12 inch crappies and they were thinking they were huge. And we kind of, we catch those all the time. So they're, they're, we kind of get spoiled. Yeah, 11, 12 inch crappie in the Twin Cities area is a really nice fish. Um, but uh, you guys, you guys get them up there in that 14, 15 range pretty regularly, which is very cool. There's lots of different ways to catch crappies during winter time. Uh, what's the main difference that you see between fishing crappies in the shallows compared to basin fishing? Uh, you know, the shallows is, it's a lot more stick and move, stick and move type of deal. Um, you, you hole hop, I think a lot more in the shallows than you do, um, out in the basin. Um, I think they hang out a little slower. They don't move quite as quick when they're up in the weeds. Um, so you're, you're constantly popping to new pods of fish all the time. But, um, once they get in the basin, you can kind of slow down, um, kind of call those fish to you. You know, if you get in the general area, you start using some of the bigger baits out there, you'll bring those fish to you, and it can be a fun time after that. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about technique there, and what what are you doing different as far as what do you have tied on onto your rod different when you're basin fishing compared to what you may be fishing if you're up in the weeds somewhere? Yeah, the big difference is uh, I, I go a lot bigger in the basin than I do in the weeds. Um, I'll use some of the big stuff in the weeds, but not, not very often. Um, out in the basin, I really like like a, a size three puppet minnow or um, a size four uh, rip and wrap. Um, anything kind of like that, big, bulky, loud, annoying. Um, probably two inches is about as big as I'll go out there. Um, but that bigger profile works really, really well, calls fish in. I mean, and you catch all sizes on them too. It's not, you're not, uh, stuck you know if you're in a lake with small crappies that they'll come up and eat those things like like crazy so um and, and then on the weed side it's a lot of kind of poking jigs and plastic little tungstens um and you're just kind of poking around in there just just keep going pocket to pocket and uh you hit a hot hole it'll be fun for a while yeah most uh lakes have several different basins on them how do you go about picking out the one that, that you're going to kind of go after when you're setting out to get out on a lake. Why do you, how do you differentiate one basin from another? I, I kind of, I try to see how much, um, what the depths are in them. I got a max depth of about 45 foot. Um, 
So if the basin's deeper than that, I just won't go into that. But but generally speaking, if you can find some a basin with big weed beds around it, that'll usually have uh, a bit more bugs and stuff, be a little bit better habitat for them to cruise all winter long. So um, if they all look the same, then you can just pick the deepest one and then go to the second deepest and the third deepest. But um, yeah, it's 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 either the deepest hole or something. If I really get lucky, you'll have a lot of weeds around the edge of it. Um, and a big kind of sloping flat. Those are usually pretty good ones. Yeah, once you find that basin that you're gonna fish, how do you go about attacking it? How do you, uh, where do you start once you kind of pick out the general area that you're gonna fish? If there's a piece of structure sitting into that, that flat, um, I'll usually start from there and just start radiating out. Just start drilling holes and, and dropping down, looking for fish. If there is no structure, then I go straight to the middle and I just work work backwards from there. Um, but you, you gotta drill a lot of holes to find that, that spool. When you when you say work that area and drill a lot of holes, so you're drilling holes and, and then how do you how are you actually working there that area when you say working it? Are you just dropping your sonar in and just moving around until you find some with fish or are you actually fishing all those holes? So uh, what I normally do is I'll start off just by drilling a straight line, uh, maybe 10, 12 holes. Um, and I'll take one rod and a flasher. Um, this is when I do it by myself. It's, it's easier with another person, but um, I'll take one rod and a flasher and I'll just go check each hole. If I don't see any fish, I'll go drill another 12, um, do the same thing until I mark a fish or something that might look really good, chunk of weed or something like that. Um, and then when I see that, I'll put about five or six holes around that one and I'll spend about 20, 30 minutes in that area. Nothing happens, just repeat the process. So you're really kind of going out and you're moving fairly quickly through these holes. If they're there, you'll know it pretty quickly. And when you're, when you're fishing, let's say you're out in 35 feet of water, how do you work the water column when you're, when you're prospecting and there's nothing on your radar? Where are you putting that, uh, putting that lure? Where are you kind of starting as far as depth when, when the sonar is clean? I would say about five-eighths of the way down is a good starting spot. Five-eighths, three-quarters something like that. Um, it's, it's high enough that you're still going to get those suspended fish to come over and it's low enough that if you got fish coming across the bottom they can still feel it and, and still kind of head over. So you get in that bottom bottom half, bottom three quarters, you should be good to go. And, and what do you see is kind of the difference if you're fishing a, a body water that's real clear compared to dark water are you, is there, you know, are you shooting a little bit tighter pattern when you're dropping your holes down or are you pretty much fish it the same no matter what? I, I think I fish it the same. Um, you know, I got a, a theory about dirty water. You know, those fish live in there. They're used to feeding into that, that conditions and uh, they don't have, you know, lime green fish down there or stuff like that that they're chasing all the time. So they're still using their, their vibrations um, and all that stuff to, to hunt. So Water clarity is not a big issue for me. I'll still do the same same patterns, um, but you do get the better day bites throughout in those dirtier water lakes. Um, the crystal clear lakes usually tend to be more of a morning, evening, and, and after dark bite. So, you talked a little bit about your lures. How about the rest of your tackle? What are you uh, using for rods, reels, those types of things? Uh, so last year I used a, a tuned up custom quick tip. That was a fantastic rod for running those bigger rattle baits and stuff. Um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, they don't make that one anymore, so 
Um, this year I switched over to a, a bull whip, which has been really well, really done really well. It's somewhat similar makeup on it. And uh, um, the big thing I do that a lot of guys may or may not um, is I run braid on all of my lines. Um, and then I'll run about an eight pound fluorocarbon leader, about two, three feet of it off the end. Um, a lot of guys don't like braid. They say it gets a lot of water in the winter, but it works well for me. And um, the way when I hook those those random pike out there in 35 feet of water, you can you still got a chance to get my man. Yeah, that's pretty heavy line, Rand. And I think uh, when a lot of people think pan fishing, they're thinking three, four pounds. So you're using braid with a with an eight pound fluoro leader. Um, you kind of touched on it there. You you've got some opportunities at some northern stuff like that. Is that really what it comes down to as far as why you're using line that, that's that heavy? Yeah, it's uh you know the, the lures aren't cheap anymore so um if you can save yourself it happens often enough that it's worth going up I and mean, you don't seem to lose fish on it um i catch just as many crappies as I, anything else you know and bluegills too on those big baits so um it doesn't affect the fish at all but you get that chance out in that mud for bonus walleye or pike um anything really can be swimming out there so and that braid is uh is really tough it's stands up to a lot of abrasion which i think is something that that our line really gets subject to quite a bit during ice season. You've got line going down a hole and it's hitting the sides of those holes and everything all the time. But like you said, I think a lot of people don't like it because it does tend to hold water. It tends to ice up, but you're, you're a guy who fishes a lot in shelters. It seems like uh, when I see you, like we see you right now, you're inside a shelter. Uh, how much outside fishing do you do compared to inside your shelter? So when I use technically when I go by myself, I, I usually leave the shelter packed up um, and I sit outside pretty much all the time. And when I guide, I pretty much sit outside all the time. So I got some friends coming this afternoon and it seems like when I get somebody else coming with me, I almost get a little lazy and pop the shack up for a while, kind of camp out. But um, usually I've already put quite a bit of work into an area before, before you ever see me take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> what... Uh... What kind of shelters? It looks like you're in an Eskimo right now. Tell me a little bit about the shelter you're fishing this year. And uh, let's go Let's go into that a little bit because it's something that I hear quite a bit. Um, you're in a flip over right now, I can tell. Uh, differences between fishing flip overs compared to a pop-up. I was a pop-up guy for a long time. I loved the room. Um, the, one of the biggest differences I think of when I think of pop-ups versus flip overs is it seems like once you set a pop-up up, it's just enough work that you almost won't go try anywhere else. You'll kind of camp. You gotta put everything in it, take everything out. Um, and they're great shacks, but it just, it, I think it's just something in your head and don't wanna go through extra work to go find something new. Where on the flip shacks, you wanna start somewhere new, you just flip it back over you, drive to the next spot, drill a couple holes, you're good to go. So um, I've actually switched all the guiding houses and everything to flip overs the last couple of years. And it, it's been a lot easier on me for sure. Um, and these things are so roomy that there ain't nothing you can't bring with you and everything's just nice and tidy, but, um, big groups or, or if I got a spot that's really kicking fish, I know it's good. Um, those pop-ups are a great idea just because you can spread out a little bit more. Awesome. Let's get back to the crappies again. We kind of went off track there talking braid and talking line and talking shelters, but, uh, you, you get on top of those schools, you start catching fish. One of the things that, that, I see a lot of people talking about, and, and one of the kind of the downsides to basin fishing is you're pulling these fish up from deep water sometime, and a lot of times the fish, the survival rate isn't as good. 
what do you kind of see as kind of the maximum depth where you feel comfortable throwing fish back down the hole? You know, if those fish are 25 or more foot down, that seems to be about as deep as I really care to get them. Um, I know you can get them out there in 40, 50 feet and stuff, but I, the summertime, you know, they say I usually don't fish past about 30, 32. And for whatever reason in the colder water, it seems like I've had to pull that back up to like 25-ish for those crappies for sure. Um, they just don't seem to do good after, after that depth for me. So I try to stay above that. All right, you're out there in those basin. We talked about uh, these fish coming up the hole. You want to keep them somewhat shallow. You don't want to be pulling them from the depths. There's big ones and there's little ones. You're seeing all kinds of stuff out in the basin. Um, is there a trick to finding the big ones compared to keeping keep pulling up maybe a, a smaller fish? Um, I think it's a lot just timing because those big fish will come in early in the season. Um, they're the first ones to really hit that bug hatch. And then after that, those smaller ones kind of come from behind. So um, the, the basins I fish, I usually fish like that. So once I start seeing smaller fish consistently, then I usually go find a new basin to fish or start looking for around in that lake again for those big fish. Yeah, that was the question I wanted to ask you next is, is, it, is there a time where you kind of give up on basin fishing and go find some other type of structure that you're going to go fish and try to try to find these crappies somewhere else? Yeah, there's a there's a good shallow bite late in the year. Um, a lot of it is that the runoff coming off the shores. You get that little bit of ice by shore to melt, and then the snow is melting running into the lake. Um, boosts the oxygen way up. I mean, those crappies and bluegills and, and a lot of other fish too, but they'll sneak way up in there. I mean, eight foot is kind of deep um, when you get to that time of year. We've done it in two, three feet of water. So um, they definitely pull back towards the shorelines later in the ice season and, and gravitate towards those spawning areas. Awesome. Rain, is there something that I didn't ask you about today that you wanted to talk about when it comes to crappie fishing? Get ready to punch a lot of holes. Go get a pistol bit. Get a pistol bit and a nice drill and a couple extra batteries and, and have at it. Brandon, I know you have a promotion going on right now. Uh, speaking of shelters, you're doing a little promotion to get some people out there and do some fishing with you. Tell me a little bit about what you got going on. Uh, so we're going to do a uh, uh, giveaway, a Eskimo Quick Fish 3i. Um, nice, beautiful pop-up for a couple guys in it to go fishing light, easy to move around with you. And uh, what you have to do to get signed up is just to book a portable trip with me, a guided trip with me before January 31st. Um, we'll do the drawing that night, January 31st, and somebody's going to get a brand new Eskimo. Awesome, Brandon. If people want to book a trip with you, how do they do it? How do they get in touch with you? The easiest way is just to give me a call at 218-640-0158. Otherwise, you can check out my website at www.lockjawfishing.com. All right. I would highly recommend Brandon. I went fishing with him last year. And uh, one of the cool things about fishing with Brandon is not only are you going to catch fish, but I think for me and for the guys that I came out with, what we really left with was a better understanding of how to catch fish on our home waters. And, and we were able to after that trip, I really got into some fish using a lot of the tactics and techniques and kind of the the ideas that you use to kind of find fish. I started applying all that stuff to my own lake and I actually uh, cleaned up the rest of the ice season. I think a lot of it was due, well, I, it was due in large part to uh, us coming out and fishing with you. Well, I appreciate that. I like hearing those stories.
Yep, I think uh, that's something that a lot of people don't think of when they think of booking a guide. They think, oh, we're going to go out and catch fish. But uh, it's really worth your time to go out with somebody who knows and does this stuff all the time. And, and one great thing about Randon and how he does things is he, he's really a teacher. And uh, I, I would highly recommend him. So check him out, Randon Olson at Lockjaw Guide Service. Thanks so much for your time today, Randon. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.